Hey kids, welcome to Papa's Bible Stories. For each episode, I pick a Bible story to talk to my kids about. I have a beautiful son, Jacob, who is eight, and a beautiful daughter, Leah, who is five. And these stories are for them. But even though these stories are for my kids, Jacob, Leah, and I would love it very much if you decided to join us. What do you say? Let's get started. So last we left our story, Pharaoh had finally freed the Israelites. Egypt had endured ten horrible plagues, going all the way from bloody water to frogs to flies to hail, all the way to dead children. And after all that, after Egypt had basically been destroyed, and after his own son had died, Pharaoh had finally given up and freed the Israelites. It was time to go home. It was time to go to the promised land. The very next morning, after Pharaoh had freed the Israelites, they were already on the move. And boy, what a sight that would have been. The Bible says that about 600,000 men on foot, besides children, left Egypt that day. 600,000 men. If you also include women and children, that's probably about 2 million people. 2 million people. Have you kiddos ever seen 2 million people all in one place before? Yeah, me either. The biggest crowds that I've seen would have been at like a baseball game or something. And maybe some of you kids listening out there have been to a few games like that before. The biggest sports stadiums usually hold around 100,000 people. That means that the number of Israelites that had left Egypt that day was like 20 packed stadiums. Now that's a lot of people. And with their bags packed, and with their children and livestock in tow, this huge mass of people walked out of Egypt and into the desert. And as they walked out into the scorching heat, the Bible says that a huge pillar of cloud formed in front of them. The cloud covered up the sun so that the desert wasn't quite so scorching hot. And the Bible says that the cloud wasn't just a cloud. It was also the angel of God. God was literally in the cloud, or, or maybe more accurately, God was the cloud. And what did the cloud do? Well, the cloud moved ahead of the Israelites to let them know what direction to go. Kind of like how a father leads his kids on a scary path. But not only did the cloud lead them and keep them cool during the day, but at night, the pillar of cloud turned into a pillar of fire, which gave the Israelites some light at night. You know, kind of like a nightlight. God sure was taking care of his people. Now, as the Israelites started on their journey, the cloud led them east, because Canaan was directly to the east of Egypt. In fact, 
Canaan, the promised land, really wasn't too far from Egypt. Remember that Abraham had gone from Canaan to Egypt during a famine, and that Joseph's brothers had gone back and forth and back and forth a few times during another famine? Canaan wasn't exactly close, but it really wasn't that far either. And at first, the pillar of cloud led them in the right direction, east. But then, at some point, the cloud started taking the Israelites south. Yeah, south, in the wrong direction. And no doubt, some of the people in the Israelite crowd started to think to themselves, Uh, where are we going? I mean, God does know where Canaan is, right? But keeping their doubts to themselves, the Israelites dutifully followed the cloud to a place called Pi-Haheroth and camped in a rocky valley that was right next to the sea. Now, back in Egypt, undoubtedly everyone was trying to get back on their feet after all those devastating plagues had destroyed the country. And Pharaoh, well, of course, he was so very happy that the plagues were over and that this constant devastation had finally come to an end and that the Israelites were gone and they wouldn't have to deal with any more problems. Right? I mean, with Egypt in shambles, obviously Pharaoh had way too many things going on to even think about the Israelites. Right? <laughs> well, apparently not. Pharaoh apparently had had the Israelites followed. And when Pharaoh found out that the Israelites had gone south and had camped beside the sea, the Bible says that Pharaoh and his servants turned against the people, and they said, Why have we done this, that we have let Israel go from serving us? Uh, well, I mean, that's a strange question to ask, don't you think? I mean, Obviously, they had let Israel go because of all the frogs and lice and flies and boils and, you know, all the other terrible things that had happened, including losing Pharaoh's own son. I mean, had Pharaoh somehow forgotten that God had done all those things to Egypt for the very clear and obvious reason that Pharaoh hadn't let the Israelites go when he was told to? I mean, really? Well, apparently, Pharaoh had forgotten. And you know, kidzos, people can be like this. When people don't want to believe something, either about themselves or about the world around them, they often find creative ways of explaining things away. Like, for example, after the plagues had stopped, probably Pharaoh and his servants had said to themselves, You know what? Maybe the water hadn't really turned to blood. Maybe the rain had washed something red into the river. And that's why the river turned red. Yeah, yeah. And maybe whatever that red stuff was, that is what caused the frogs to jump out of the river. Yeah, yeah. And of course, once all the frogs had jumped out of the river and died, well, that's where all the lice and flies came from, because there were no frogs around to eat them. 
Yeah, that's what happened. And before you know it, the Egyptians had explained away all the things that had happened to them. It had all been an accident of nature. God hadn't done any of those things. God wasn't all-powerful. God didn't need to be obeyed. The Egyptian gods were still powerful, and Pharaoh hadn't done anything wrong, except that he'd let the Israelites go. You see how people can twist things to believe whatever they want? And with Pharaoh thinking like this, well, of course, Pharaoh's going to kick himself and say, why have we done this that we've let the Israelites go from serving us? So, what was Pharaoh going to do? Well, he got it in his head that he was going to go get the Israelites back. And the Bible says that he made ready his chariot and took his people with him. Also, he took 600 choice chariots and all the chariots of Egypt with captains over every one of them. So, the Egyptians pursued them. And so off Pharaoh went with the best of his army to bring the Israelites back to Egypt. Now, because Pharaoh and his army were all on horseback, it wouldn't have taken them long to catch up to the Israelites. And as the evening approached, the Bible says that, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So, the Israelites looked up and saw a huge army of fully armed soldiers riding on chariots and heading straight towards them. Now, this would have been a very intimidating sight. The Egyptian army was one of the most advanced and well-equipped armies in the whole world. This was no joke. But the Israelites, well, of course they knew that they had nothing to be afraid of, right? I mean, they had just recently seen all the plagues in Egypt and knew very well what God was capable of. Even right at that moment, God was in a huge pillar of cloud right in front of them. The Israelites knew how powerful God was, and they knew that God was leading them. So, of course, the Israelites knew that they had nothing to be afraid of, right? Well, apparently not. Because the Bible says that the Israelites were very afraid, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. And not only were they very afraid, but they went to Moses and said, Because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us to die in the wilderness? Why have you so dealt with us to bring us up out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt, saying, Let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than we should die in the wilderness. Can you believe that, kidzos? Despite all the miraculous things they'd seen, despite the pillar of cloud that had led them here and was right there in front of them, and despite knowing full well that God was leading them, they were still afraid. And they still blamed Moses. 
And how did Moses react to all this? Well, I'm sure that he was more than a little discouraged by the Israelites' reaction. But Moses was not afraid. Moses knew that God had led them to this place, and he knew that God had promised to take care of them, and he knew that God keeps his promises. So Moses got up in front of the people and confidently and reassuringly said, Do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians who you see today, you shall see again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. And boy was God going to fight for his people in spectacular fashion. When Moses finished speaking, the Bible says that the pillar of cloud went from before them and stood behind them. So it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. Thus it was a cloud and darkness to one, and it gave light by night to the other, so that the one did not come near the other all night. So the cloud that had been leading the Israelites leapt up into the air, flew over the Israelite camp, and landed behind them right in between the Egyptian army and the terrified Israelites. The side of the cloud that faced the Egyptians became darkness, so they couldn't see the Israelites anymore. But the side of the cloud that faced the Israelites became light, so that as evening became the night, the Israelites could see where they were going. Wow, now that would have been a sight to see. But God wasn't done yet. And God said to Moses, Tell the children of Israel to go forward. But lift up your rod and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And so Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Bible says, The Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night and made the sea into dry land, and the waters were divided. And the Bible also says that the water was a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. So the Israelites would have looked at the sea and seen a dry path going right through the middle of the sea, almost like two invisible hands had come down and physically pushed the water to each side. The Israelites could see the bottom of the sea. The dry path went off for miles into the darkness. Wow, now that would have been a sight to see. And Moses turned to them and told them, move forward. And what did the Israelites do? Well, with the pillar of cloud blocking the Egyptian army behind them, and with this dry path through the sea in front of them, the Israelites, all two million of them, moved forward and took the dry path into the sea. All night, the Israelites made their way down into the sea to escape the Egyptians.
Now, while all this had been happening, the Egyptians had been stuck in the darkness behind the cloud. But as the morning came, the Egyptians caught sight of the Israelites. And they looked, and, whoa, there was a dry path going right through the sea, and a, a huge cloud of fire lighting the way for the Israelites to cross the sea. Of course, they had never seen anything like this before. And obviously, God was using his incredible power to protect the Israelites. And of course, the Egyptians looked at the whole situation and thought to themselves, you know what, better leave well enough alone. And of course, they immediately went home, right? Well, no, no, that's not what they did. Somehow, they looked at this situation and said, Hey, the Israelites are getting away after them. And the Bible says that the Egyptians pursued and went after them into the midst of the sea, all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. And off Pharaoh went into the sea to catch the Israelites. But as Pharaoh started after the Israelites, the Israelites were safe and sound on the other side. They had all made it to the opposite shore. And as the Egyptians made their way through the sea, the Bible says that God looked down upon the army of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and cloud, and he troubled the army of the Egyptians. And he took off their chariot wheels so that they drove them with great difficulty. So as the Egyptians are trying to quickly get through this precarious situation, all of a sudden, the wheels and the chariots start coming off. <laughs> Can you imagine going full tilt behind a horse and then looking down and seeing your chariot wheel heading off in a different direction? <laughs> and then crash, down you go. And right around this time, as they're sitting there with walls of water on either side of them, with the wheels falling off their chariots, that's when they realize, hey, maybe this isn't the best position to be in. And all of a sudden, they all decided to head back where they'd come from. But it was already too late. The Egyptians had shown that they would go after the Israelites no matter where they were and no matter what was going on. And to ensure that the Israelites stayed safe, God was going to have to put a permanent stop to their obsession with enslaving the Israelites. And so God spoke to Moses and said, Stretch out your hand over the sea, that the waters may come back upon the Egyptians, on their chariots and on their horsemen. And Moses did so. And then the Bible says that the waters returned and covered the chariots, the horsemen, and all the army of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them. So as the Egyptians turned to run away, the sea came crashing down on them. And the Bible tells us that every single Egyptian that had followed them into the sea died. Not even Pharaoh survived that day.
And so ends the Egyptian's part in this story. After Pharaoh and his army came to their unfortunate end, the Bible doesn't mention the Egyptians again for several hundred years. It seems that it took the Egyptians a long, long time to recover from what happened to them that day. And kidzos, this is a lesson for us to learn. Ultimately, the reason that the Egyptians made such foolish decisions is because they kept a spirit of rebellion in their hearts. They knew what God wanted them to do, but they decided they didn't want to do it. And they kept the spirit of, I don't want to, in their hearts. And what happened to the Egyptians as a result? Their thinking became confused. They weren't able to see the obvious truth about what was going on. They became blind to what God was doing. They couldn't accept reality. And eventually, that spirit of rebellion led them to go barreling into the sea after the Israelites, even when it was so obvious that God was going to protect his people. And kidzos, each one of us, every day, has to make a decision. Am I going to obey God, or am I going to rebel against him? And I hope and pray that each day you will make the right decision. Now, while things had gone very badly for the Egyptians, the Israelites, on the other hand, were dancing with joy. Things had looked pretty dark there for a while, but God had saved them in spectacular fashion. God was protecting them. God was on their side. He'd freed them from the Egyptians once and for all. And now it was time to head to the promised land. It was time to make their way home. All right, kidzos, that's it for this one. I hope you enjoyed the story. In the next episode, we're going to continue to follow the Israelites on their journey to the promised land. Their first pit stop is going to be a very important place called Mount Sinai. But until then, to all the kids tuning in, I hope you have an awesome day, God be with you, and I hope we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.